Have you ever wanted to ask me anything? Well, not anything, but anything related to the business of being creative and the creativity behind running a business? Well, now is your chance. My name is Jennifer Perkins. This is the Creative Queso Podcast, and today I am answering all of your hot burning questions. Well, some of them, anyway. So, if you've listened before to the show, typically I have amazing guests on, like knitter Vicki Howe, product designer Kathy Conamario, or maybe even like a Project Runway alumni like Mondo Guerra. But today, it's all me, all the time. It's going to be a lot less boring than that sounds, I promise. I recently asked you guys to ask me anything about business and creativity, and you really delivered. How did I get a TV show? What's a virtual assistant, and how do I find one? Is it okay that I have not found my creative calling or my one thing? All of this and more will get discussed today. I'd also love to hear what you guys think about episodes like this one. I am starting to mix in more of episodes where I'm talking. If you heard the one about sparking your creativity with trips to the thrift store in this episode, that's what I am talking about. I'd love to hear what you guys think about episodes such as this mixed in with my typical interviews. Do you want to hear more? Do you hate them? A little bit of both? Any of those things. Do you want to see them in video format because you want to see what the inside of this closet looks like? You can always send me an email, jen at creativecaso.com. Send me a DM about it at on Instagram at Creative Queso. And if you have any questions that I didn't cover and you love this type of segment, I'll just start saving those questions up and do another episode of Ask Me Anything. Sound good? All right, peeps, let's get started. Okay, so some people sent me emails. Some of you guys left a comment on Instagram. Some people sent me a DM. And then recently, I was also on a couple of panels speaking and people asked me questions. So I I thought I would just kind of combine all of those things and put them together into this one episode. So let's start with a question I got on Instagram from Jenny Gray Art. She asked, do I have any thoughts on virtual assistants? Jenny, I have lots of thoughts on virtual assistants. Like, I wish I had an army of them for myself. During different times in my career, I have had physical assistants and I have had virtual assistants. When I was doing my weekly video series for HGTV and DIY Network, I did have several virtual assistants because at the time I was so busy doing that content and coming up with those videos and then the 17 other side jobs that I have, I just could not keep on top of the social media aspect and some of the back-end website stuff. So I found a few virtual assistants. How did I find virtual assistants? You can't just go to like craftyvirtualassistants.com, unfortunately. But there are several really great Facebook groups where there are lots of VAs that offer their assistants and they can have their rates. You can also 
ask people who they used, I am more than happy to share my connections and who I worked with. I currently do not have any, but in the past, via these Facebook groups, I had someone that helped me with all of my Pinterest, and that would be like Tailwind and Smart Loops and all of that kinds of stuff, because honestly, I don't even know how to use Tailwind. I am like an old school, like pin it from my toolbar kind of person. I had someone that helped me with my Facebook posts on my business page. She would help me gather different types of content to share because, you know, there's always kind of that 80-20 rule about sharing other people's content. And so she would help me gather those types of posts. Now, I'm always the one that responds or posts within my Crafts Kitchen Kids Facebook group, but she was helping me collect things and schedule all the posts that I was writing for my own blog and for DIY Network and for HGTV and for all the other places. And then at that time, I also had a third virtual assistant that was helping me do things like post things on craft gawker or dwelling gawker she was helping me with some back-end seo things collect data for or i guess permission for different roundup posts and she was also helping me with home talk if you've ever been on that site so at the moment i don't have a virtual assistant but i would love to get one again soon because i feel like social media stuff is slacking for me personally. It's hard to keep on top of everything. So virtual assistants can really be a blessing when it comes to those things. And I'd also like to say within those Facebook groups, a lot of those people have different skills and different things that they're good at. Like someone who's great at Pinterest may not know a thing about Facebook or vice versa. So, you know, things that you need to look for is obviously like how many hours can you afford? Is it really worth it? What is their price range? But also try and really choose someone who seems to align with your aesthetic. You know, if I had someone helping me, like if you're in a tailwind tribe, right? Well, the deal is for every one of your pens, the other people you have, you know, the other people pen, you have to pen two of their pens, right? So if you have someone who's handling that for you, who is not aligned with your aesthetic, and like for me, like let's say they're pinning something that's very like... I don't know, country crafts and collectibles or burlap or, you know, something that totally, like, if you know me and you know my style, you would be like, Jennifer, why did you pin that? Like, that's weird. So you need to pay attention to all those things and really kind of, you know, get to know your VA and make sure that you guys are on the same page. So Jenny, I hope that answers your question about virtual assistants. I think they are amazing and I wish I had an army of them right now. All right, so the next question comes from LK Creative. This was another one that came in via Instagram. And she asks, how do I stay creative? 
Well, let me tell you, I think some of being creative is this kind of like innate thing. And some people are, you know, just genetically born that way. My mother was very creative and was always, you know, doing some different type of craft. So I kind of grew up in that environment. My kids are around in that environment. So I think there's some of that. But that's not to say that every day I wake up with just brilliant ideas like, busting out everywhere. I mean, I hit creative block like everybody else. If you listen to the episode I did about thrifting, that's one of the ways I stay creative, going to thrift stores and flea markets, if not just to clear my head, but also to be inspired by the things that I find there or the colorways and the patterns. Another thing that I do is I take a lot of different craft classes, even if it is not you know, a class or a skill that I ever plan on using on my website or to make a living on or whatever, like you can learn a creative skill and have no plans for it to help your, you know, career or what have you. Like maybe I just want to take a baking class. Maybe I just want to take a belly dancing class. Maybe I just want to learn how to do brush lettering, but I don't ever plan to show it in the world. For me, if I just did the same thing over and over and over again, life would get really redundant. So I'm one of those people that I like to take lots of different classes. And now given I live in Austin, so there are like lots of classes offered. The last one I took was like marbling on silk scarves and it was amazing and fun and I love those kinds of things. But, you know, just because you don't live in Austin, let's say you're listening to this in like a small town in the middle of nowhere, there are all kinds of online classes like Blueprint, Oh, Creative Live, you know, all of the places, Skillshare. I have interviewed several people that have classes on all of those places. So you can always take online classes as well. And that really helps me stay creative. Another thing I really like to do is art journaling and painting. That kind of helps me stay creative and kind of clears my head and lets me play around with different color combinations and different mediums and things like that. Everybody kind of finds their creative muse in a different way, but that's kind of how I stay inspired is by always always learning a new skill or playing around with a new medium, just kind of always keeping myself open to those kinds of things. Even if I don't do anything with it in my professional life, I always feel like it somehow like opens a door to other things for me. So that is how I personally stay creative, thrifting and classes. Okay, so this one, I think this might also be from LK Creative. Do you get frustrated business crafting when you would rather be personal crafting? Yes, I definitely have been in that place before. When I first got started making jewelry, I made resin jewelry. And that was all I sold, all I made, and I had like 20 options that you could choose from. Well, I got real sick of those 20 options real quick, though I was thankful to be working for myself and getting to do something creative for a living, doing the same thing over and over and over. It gets real old real fast for someone like me. Remember how I just said I like to take a bazillion different classes? Yes. Same 
thing. So I did not enjoy doing the same thing over and over again for a business. I always tell people, be careful what you wish for because you may think you love knitting those scarves, but if you have to knit a hundred of those scarves, that same exact scarf, you might get sick of knitting that scarf. I am just saying. So the thing for me is this is another good example of why I have, like, let's say, Jennifer Perkins art. If you go to Instagram and look up at Jennifer Perkins art, that is where I show my painting and the jewelry I make. And these are the things that for me are the really out there, the really wackadoodle. They are not my, you know, business to business things. They are creative to creative, or they're not even meant to sell. They are just like my thing of weirdness. When you are working you know, business to business or when I'm doing, say, a project for another company, you know, I have to stay aligned with their aesthetic and with their brand and knowing what is going to appeal to the biggest audience because at the end of the day, that's what they want. They're trying to represent their product. I have to stay true to myself and my identity. But I've known since I was a child that my style, my identity, and what I like, and what I craft, and what I make, and how I want my house to look does not align with most people. I did an art show just this past weekend, and I can't tell you how many people walked in my booth and told me it looked like Pee Wee's Playhouse. And personally, that was like the biggest compliment of all time. I practically got teary-eyed about it because when I was a child, I grew up thinking like, man, I want my house to look like Pee Wee's house. I was that kid that was always like getting teased, going like, you look like Punky Brewster, Rainbow Bright. Not an insult to me, totally a compliment. So all those things being said, I have kind of figured out when I can let my Punky Brewster side flare and when I need to like take it down a level, remove an extra pom-pom or two, and do the business crafting. So I wouldn't say I get frustrated. I would say I keep a double identity. If you listen to the episode with, I mentioned her a second ago, Kathy Connell-Mario of The Crafty Chica, and I will link to it in the show notes, she and I touch on that a little bit about working with brands and companies and things like that and kind of, you know, how to keep it in line with a brand's aesthetic and also staying true to yourself and then also finding that sweet spot where you don't want to poke your eyes out because you are making the same thing over and over and over again. All right, so I hope that helps. Okay, next, Alicia Hansen from High Octane Jewelry wrote in and she wanted to know how I got my TV show. Well... Let me spin some yarn for you. Way back in prehistoric days, <laughs> when there was lots of crafts on DIY Network and HGTV, I had a couple of shows. I can't even tell you when it was, like maybe 2005, 2006. It was before I had kids. My good friend Vicki Howe had her own TV show called Nitty Gritty on the DIY Network. Well, while she was in California, I flew out to hang out with her because I had never been to Los Angeles. Well, not as an adult, and so I thought it would be fun. So I flew out there, and it just so happened to be at a time when some producers from Scripps were there that I got to meet. And we all got to talking and talking about this group we were in called the Austin Craft Mafia. And, you know, the producers, their ears pricked up, and they were like, what is this Austin Craft Mafia? Tell me more. 
And that was a group of women that I had done this kind of collaborative thing with here in Austin where, you know, there was Jenny Hart from Sublime Stitching. There was Vicky who did knitting. There was me who did the jewelry. And then we had, you know, people that did vinyl, people that sewed. We all kind of had very different mediums and we kind of joined our forces in this community effort to support each other. There was about 10 of us. So they were very intrigued by this idea. Well, then they flew some people out to interview us. We all had to go to a hotel room out by the airport and make a craft on camera to kind of see, you know, to screen test us, to see how we would do. I remember being ridiculous ridiculously nervous about doing this. I think I made like a charm bracelet and it was one of the most nerve wracking things I've ever done. So I guess we all passed because eventually we got our own show called Stylicious. I did not choose that name. And so then we all like pitched ideas and came up with, you know, sent the producers our ideas because the concept was that each episode there would be three of us on and we'd each make a different craft, you know, maybe that all kind of complemented each other. Like, let's say there was an episode about like rock and roll and one of us would make a t-shirt or make something out of an old band t-shirt. And then I was there making a bracelet out of an old vinyl record. And then someone else was, you know, doing something else related to rock and roll music. So each episode had a theme. There was three of us and we had a different task. And so we pitched our ideas and then they flew us out to LA at different intervals, depending on our shooting schedule. And I believe I was on 17 episodes of Stylicious doing mostly accessory style crafts. And it was such a fun experience getting to be out in LA with my good friends. My sister was on the show. You know, those are still some of my best friends. So it was a really fun experience. I loved it. And then from there, they mentioned that they were starting a new craft show. At the time, it didn't have a name and they asked if any of us would like to apply to the craft show. Well, at that time, I found television nerve-wracking. Like, I really didn't like it. So I was just like, oh, that's fun. They're going to do another TV show. Great. Walked away. Then they would send another email in like a month, like, hey, do any of you guys want to try out for this TV show? Again, I was like, mm-mm, not me. Peace out. Like, not into TV. This was when Naughty Secretary Club was doing really well. It was my full-time job. I had no interest in television. Well, then eventually they started reaching out individually and saying, Jennifer, are you real, real sure? We like you. Are you real, real, real sure? And at some point I caved and I signed on to host a television program for DIY Network called Craft Lab. It was a daily show. I shot 120 episodes over two seasons, and that meant that I was living in Los Angeles for six weeks at a time. Now, this was before I had kids, but I was married, and my husband would come out, you know, and hang out maybe for, like, a long weekend each time I shot. My mom was on an episode of each season, so that was fun. She'd come out and hang out for a few days. And honestly, even though at the time I really didn't want to do it and I thought I dreaded television, it was a great experience for me because not only did I make amazing friends and connections, I mean, I'm still friends with people that worked on that show, whether it be 
my producer, I just hung out with her in Los Angeles earlier this year. And I'm still great friends with a lot of the guests that came on. That was the best part is I love hanging out with other creative people. And as I mentioned earlier, I love taking rando craft classes. Each episode of Craft Lab was just like that. It was like a different craft, like every day. Actually, some days I was filming like four episodes in one day. So I was a bit of a mental hot mess. But it was so fun because, you know, one minute I'd be hanging out with like Michael Deming and we would be making, you know, we would be burning up like Polaroid pictures for some mixed media thing. But then like right after that, someone else would come on and we would be making copper jewelry in a baby kiln. And then after that, I'd be doing polymer clay. So really at in the end, it was a dream come true because it worked perfectly with my crafty ADD. I got to make so many friends. And plus, like, you know, how many people get an opportunity, like having a television show? So it worked out great. But the show was on for two seasons. It was called Craft Lab. I think there's a few episodes floating around, maybe on YouTube. If you want to see a much younger version of myself with red hair, you can check it out there. After that, I was contacted to do a YouTube series for HGTV about Halloween. This was kind of before my overkill love of Halloween that I have now, interestingly. And it was a really fun series to film. But if you want to know some behind the scenes trivia, I was actually pregnant while we were filming that with my daughter and very morning sick. So in between like every take of me being like, hey, everybody, let's make this Halloween craft. I would be like leaned over like ralphing or laying down because I was exhausted. It was a fun experience. Not a happy time. And then in more recent days, I did a weekly how-to video for HGTV and DIY Network called DIY This with Jennifer Perkins. And that just ended this past January. And that's how I got started doing the podcast. I was like, well, I got some free time now and I don't have to put on makeup to do it. So let's do this podcast thing. But you can see those episodes still on Facebook. A lot of them are on my website, jenniferperkins.com. And, you know, after I dreaded doing the TV show and was like, no, I don't want to do it, it really behooved me because it worked out well because I would have never done the YouTube series. I would have never been comfortable doing the Facebook Lives and all the other things. So I am very glad that I broke down and did Craft Lab. So, Alicia, there is your answer about how did my TV show come about. All right, so Alicia actually had three questions, so let's get to the next one. Her next question was, was there a thing in my career that made all the difference? Well, I have two things that made all the difference in my career. Obviously, the television show didn't hurt. But before that, remember, I had Naughty Secretary Club. I was making like a living making jewelry. It was my full-time job and it was paying well. It was a popular jewelry company. I was in lots of magazines. I was in the Wall Street Journal, L, Seventeen, the New York Times, all those kinds of places. But the thing that really made a difference and launched my creative career is Bust Magazine. I've told this story a million times, but I will tell it again and again because everyone should always support Bust Magazine. And here's why I uh, fully endorse the magazine. When I was making the resin jewelry I was talking about earlier that was slowly killing my creative soul, um, which I, you know, eventually transitioned out of, 
When I first started, though, Bus Magazine contacted me and said they wanted to do a feature on the jewelry. And I was like, okay, great, awesome. I'll make you some bracelets and I'll send it. You know, at the time, Bus Magazine is not this giant publication. It wasn't then and it isn't now. But the thing of it is, it is my exact target audience. Like I said, I was featured in much larger magazines like the New York Times or the Wall Street Journal, but those are not my people necessarily. I've been in Marie Claire. Again, not my people. If you know my aesthetic or the kind of jewelry that I made, and I don't mean not my people like I don't like them, but they're just not necessarily the same people that are going to buy my jewelry, unlike the bus magazine crowd. So it was kind of this perfect storm. I had a full page article in there with literally like, I don't even know if there was email then. I guess there had to be. There was an online order form, but this was like way pre-Etsy. So, you know, I had my little sad shopping cart on my probably very sad rudimentary website where you could order the resin jewelry. I had no idea what was going to happen when that article came out in Bus Magazine, but literally in a matter of a few days when that article came out, I got so many orders for jewelry that I had to make the choice as to whether or not I was going to keep my day job and write all those people back and say, there is no way I have time to make all these pieces of jewelry Or I was going to quit my day job and try to do this jewelry thing full time. Well, at that moment, I was an administrative assistant, an executive administrative assistant to government and business relations, hence the name Naughty Secretary Club. And, you know, I thought to myself, if this jewelry thing doesn't work out, I can get another job doing this exact same thing. It wasn't what I went to school for anyway. So, you know, what difference does it make? Like, I'll just hang the business suits up for a little bit and try this jewelry thing. Because if you don't take that leap of faith and you don't get that opportunity, when are you going to? So that's what I did. I gave notice at my job and decided, you know what, I'm going to try to make all those jewelry orders and see what comes of it. And the blessing is, is that those orders just kept coming and coming and coming and it paid the bills and I didn't ever have to go back to a day job after that. And that was almost 20 years ago. So I always tell people that I really have Bust Magazine to thank for the creative career I have now. It is what kind of like put in motion all of the things. So thank you, Bust Magazine. You will always have a special place in my heart. Another thing that I always think really makes the difference, and I have to tell you, I am experiencing this even right now to this day, is when a magazine writes you or a TV station or a website, all press is good press. It doesn't matter what they say. As long as they spell your name right, nobody reads your press. They weigh it. All of the sayings you have ever heard are true to a certain extent. Anytime a magazine or a newspaper or any kind of publication would write me and say, we need pieces of jewelry for a shoot. And I am here to tell you that they usually say, we need it tomorrow. And they write you at about three o'clock in the afternoon, the day before. I would drop everything and get them that jewelry. 
And I really think that was a fundamental key piece to my success as a jewelry designer. I knew which FedEx in Austin shipped out at 8 o'clock to get there for next day morning delivery, and it was in downtown. And you better bet if they wrote, if Teen Vogue or L Girl or whoever wrote me at 3 o'clock on a Monday and they needed stuff in New York by 8 a.m. on Tuesday, I dropped everything and sat and packaged up jewelry, made them new jewelry up until about 7.15. Then I hauled it downtown and shipped that jewelry off so it would be there the next morning. And I still find to this day that I find people will complain and be like, I can't believe they had the nerve to ask me that for the next day. And you just have to understand that is how the press machine works sometimes. And if you want to be featured, if you want to make a living, if you want press, you better jump up and get people what they ask for. I am literally writing an article right now for a big website. I won't say the name, but it's one that I freelance for that any store or business worth their salt would be thrilled to be featured in. And I can't tell you how many emails I have sent, how many DMs I have sent through Instagram, how many people I have reached out to on Facebook, and people are not responding or writing back or, you know, have asinine questions about it. The answer is you just say yes. You send me the picture of what I'm asking for. You get featured. You get lots of press and traffic and business and all of the things. So my my secret sauce is always say yes to press. Like always drop everything for them and get it get them what they need. Don't make them wait. Put it first, especially if it is a business or a magazine or a publication that you think could really make a difference in your career. Just always jump right on it. And another thing, here's another tip, Alicia, about the thing in my career that has made all the difference in the press and, you know, always saying yes to it. Please make it really, really easy for people to contact you and find you. I'm going to tell you right now, I do not like filling out a form on your website, please put your email there. Like, don't worry about spam and bots and all those things. Make it easy for people to get in touch with you. If I want to feature you in a roundup for something and it's due tomorrow and it's going to link to your website and be like the best SEO juice you got in the last six months, please make it real, real easy for me to find you and contact you. Because if it's not, I'm going to quickly move on from your website and go somewhere else to find the exact same thing or something similar. So there you go. Always say yes to press. Make it easy for those of us that are in the press looking to contact you. All right. The last question Alicia Alicia asked was about, would I be interested in an artisanal magazine? Well, I'm not exactly sure what you mean by that question, but I should say that I've mentioned this before. I kind of started out my creative journey writing a punk rock zine back in the day because, you know, I grew up in a small town. And when I realized there was like that zine culture and that zine community out there and I wasn't the only weirdo in the world and I could have this great like pen pal male life with all these little magazines about all the bands I was listening to and the things I was into, it opened up 
like a portal in a new world for me. And I was so excited about it. And I knew I wanted to be a part of it. And I knew I wanted to contribute to it. So I started my zine in high school. My friend was the night manager at the Holiday Inn. I would buy my own printer paper, and I would go up to the Holiday Inn, and I would sit there until the wee hours of the morning printing and stapling copies of my zine that I would then mail out all around the country, put in record stores in Dallas, and I did this on and off not always at the Holiday Inn. Sometimes I went to Kinko's. I did this all the way through college, and I really loved it. And I think that's how my original love of making came about. And then, you know, that kind of transitioned into blogging when I saw that you could do the same kinds of things online. Naughty Secretary Club, before it was a jewelry website, was more of a blog where I did record reviews and I interviewed bands and, you know, all kinds of fun stuff like that. So I definitely have been down that artisanal magazine rabbit hole before. And then on top of that, I don't know, five to seven years ago, I was the editor-in-chief of a children's magazine published by Walmart called Kids Crafts 123 where, you know, it was just as the name implies, it was children's crafts and it was perfect because at the time my kids were like five and three. So, you know, I was hot and heavy into sensory bins and all things kids crafts anyway. So eventually that magazine shuttered as, you know, magazines do and as creative careers do. So, you know, I quit that genre, but I still do some online kids crafts. So anyway, long story short, yes, high-octane jewelry. I am always into the idea of artisanal magazines. I think they are fun. That's where I got started, and I have done small ones, and, you know, Walmart's pretty big. I've done big ones. Okay, so another question that came in was about, let me rearrange here. My foot's going to sleep was about time management. This was at the panel I recently spoke on. Um, Someone asked me about how I keep it all straight and how I do time management. And the real answer is a lot of times I don't. I'm not perfect. It may seem on the outside, I get a lot of people say to me, like, how do you do all the things? And da, 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 da. Well, a lot of times I feel like I do all the things halfway or not as well as I could. And the truth of the matter is, is a lot of times I'm late on deadlines. I miss things. I am a normal person. I am the first to admit that I am flaky. I am flighty. I am bad at doing the hard stuff first. When I make my to-do list for the week, there is a lot of carryover from the week before. I once got, when my children were small, I remember I got a book. This is when I was the DIY editor over at BlogHer. I think this is how I got this book from an author named Laura Vanderkam. And I was actually featured in one of her earlier books. And she had this book called 168 Hours, You Have More Time Than You Think. And it's a great book. There's lots of great information in it. And I can digest it so much better now that my kids are older. But at the time, reading that book, I remember it just flipped me out. I was just like, I kind of went into a tailspin and a panic, like, oh my gosh, like I need to be like using every minute and like, oh, I think sometimes people can get so worked into a lather about time management and forget to take time for themselves or forgive themselves for missing an important deadline. Yes, we all have the same amount of time in a week. 
But as far as like our mental space and our mental energy goes, some of us just honestly need to use that time differently. Like some of us just need to sit and watch Netflix for hours on end after doing one hard thing because otherwise it's just too mentally exhausting and you're going to get burned out. Another thing I mentioned at this panel I was speaking on is I use this reference and actually my sisters who said this to me, and I don't know if she made it up or where it came from, but I can't believe I'm bringing up Pee Wee Herman twice in one podcast episode. But the story is like, if you've ever seen Pee Wee's Big Adventure, and if you haven't, please pause this podcast and go watch it right now because it's hilarious. And I reference it almost every day, but there's a scene where there's this pet store on fire, right? And Pee Wee Herman is like rescuing like all the animals Like he goes in and like, he's like, oh, let's get the bunnies. They're so cute. And he sees the snakes and he's just like, oh, I don't want to get the snakes. And so then he goes back and he gets the hamsters, but you know, he looks at those snakes and he's just like, oh, and then he goes and you know, he gets all the soft stuff and all the cute stuff and the puppies and the kittens, but he's still looking at the snakes. And then at the very end, when the building is about to burn up. He's like, oh gosh, I got to get those snakes. So he goes in and he finally gets the snakes and he runs out. You know, I try to make myself, you know, a lot of people say like, do the hard stuff first. Like, you know, my goal is to get the snakes out first so that all I have to deal with are puppies and kittens and hamsters, but I'm not perfect. It doesn't work like that. Like, am I late on deadlines on things right this very minute? You bet your sweet butt I am. I'm not perfect. I'm far from, I, I wish I was better at time management. I realize that we all have, you know, more time than we think we do as they say, but I, like everybody else, am not that great at time management and keeping it all straight. I just do the best I can to make deadlines, not get fired, you know, still be a good mom, still be a good wife, still, you know, have it together when it's my turn to lead the Girl Scout meeting, all of the things. But as we all know, it's hard to keep it all straight. Nobody is perfect. Okay, another question that got brought up at this panel was, how do you pay attention to social media without letting it suck up all of your time? All right, this is a good question because I'm not going to lie to you. Social media is very important to building a creative career. You definitely need it. You can't live without it if you want to make a living on it. But, you know, there's lots of ways that you don't have to let it suck up your entire life. You know, as we mentioned before, there's the virtual assistant route that we talked about. I realize not everybody can afford that. I'm one of those people at that very moment, hence why I do not have any. But, you know, there's other things you can do, like scheduling. There are tons of different scheduling tools. For instance, I mentioned um, Tailwind for Pinterest. You can schedule Facebook posts right inside the Facebook app or on your desktop. I use Planoly for Instagram when I'm, you know, on top of my game. That's not to say I always do it. So there are lots of scheduling tools that you can use to kind of take some of those things off your plate. You know, if you want to block out some time, like pop in a Netflix show and sit down and really like plug a lot of those things into a timer, some of those things can just kind of be automated and happen. 
Now, the flip side of that is you can't just post and ghost, as they say. You can't have a post go up and then not just interact with it because it'll just sit there and lie flat, especially on a platform like Instagram where the algorithm is so sensitive. You need to pay attention to, you know, what your best times of day are to post, what are your best types of content. You need to be there to interact, to respond to comments, and to play around on the app. So for me, like I like Instagram, right? So that's not a tricky thing to do. I'm I'm there anyway. I know when my prime time is. Unfortunately, it's about 9 p.m., which is also when I enjoy going to bed. So sometimes it's a struggle for me. But you know, I know to kind of play around before, to play around after, to respond to comments right about the time I post, which again isn't a problem because I like interacting with people and I like Instagram. So, you know, I know not to post and ghost on there, but that's the same with all most social media platforms. You know, it's the same thing with Facebook. Now, Pinterest isn't that way where you need to be interacting. So, you know, you can set all those kind of things on a timer and then walk away a little bit. But you do need to pay attention to your stats as to what's doing good, like what type of pen is doing well for you. Is it one that's a certain size? Is it a certain colorway? Is it, you know, when I was more on top of my Pinterest game and had someone helping me with um, Tailwind, one of the things that we noticed was when she was pinning the how-to steps within my DIY projects, they did better and tended to get clicked through and repinned more often than, say, the actual graphics that I made for Pinterest that might say, you know, DIY color blocked earrings, and then it would have my URL you know, the step-by-step of me painting those earrings or putting the glitter on those earrings did better. So you do need to pay attention to all of those things about like what works, what times, and what platforms are best for you. And then from there, you can kind of, you know, get some of that stuff scheduled and automated and not have to have it in the back of your mind all of the time. Another thing I wanted to mention is you know, don't feel like you need to be all of the places, depending on what you do. You know, pay attention to what social media platforms work for you. You know, for me, like, I love Twitter, and I I like to look at Twitter, but as a crafter, it's not really the place for me because it's not a visual platform. Now, for the Creative Queso podcast and, like, business advice or quotes or retweets, like, it's the kind of place I could be utilizing better. But, you know, for Jennifer Perkins, for my creative side, somewhere like Instagram or Pinterest is a better thing for me. A lot of people right now are talking about, you know, TikTok is the new thing. Like, are you on TikTok? Like, are you doing this? Are you doing that? Well, at the moment, the people on TikTok are so young, I could have given birth to them. They don't care about this podcast. They don't care about the DIY projects I am making. So TikTok is not for me. And on the flip of that, a lot of people want to talk about, you know, Facebook being this social media dinosaur. Well, call me a social media dinosaur, but my people and my demographic are still on Facebook quite a bit. And let us not forget, we all love Instagram, but Facebook owns Instagram. I know. Shocking. I love to hear people wax poetic about the evils of Facebook, and then they spend all day on Instagram. It's the same people. I know. Mind-blowing. I know. So anyway, 
you know, pay attention to where your people are. Where is your demographic? You don't need to be all the places. You don't need to be everything to everyone because you're not. Where is your audience? You know, that goes into the time management thing. Pay attention to those things, and then you won't be letting social media suck all your time. You know, pick a select few of what really works for you and work that angle. All right, so... Another one, I recently had someone send me an email, and the gist of it was she was not digging her day job, and, you know, she had tried a couple of side hustles that she thought might be her new thing, but then kind of lost her mojo for them, and I have recently found that a lot of people feel like they need to have this, like, super strong creative calling, like this one thing that they're super passionate about, and it reminded me of this episode of Oprah's Super Soul Sunday podcast that I listened to with Elizabeth Gilbert. So, you know, of course, Oprah and Elizabeth Gilbert are going to say like all the best things because, well, that's what they're famous for. But, you know, Liz Gilbert was talking about what she called hummingbird people. And the long and the short of it is, you know, she always talked about how she was so passionate about being a writer and that's all she wanted to do. And she had this laser focus on it and blah, 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 blah. But then she had this one person write in and go like, I don't have something I feel laser focused about. And when I hear you say that, it makes me feel like a failure. Well, there are lots of people like me that don't have a super laser focus. You know, like I call it crafty ADD. She calls it, Liz Gilbert calls it hummingbird people. So there are lots of other people that don't have that like one thing that they are super into or that they're super passionate about. Or maybe they even try something and then they realize they don't love it as much as they thought they did. And that is okay. Okay. It doesn't make you a failure. It just means you tried it and you realized you didn't love it. If you were to go back through my history, I mean, how many jobs have I talked about since I've been blathering on and on? I have been, you know, this week I'm a podcaster, but the, you know, six months ago, I was the host of a Facebook live show. And before that, I was a magazine editor and I was a jewelry designer and I was a TV host. So I've had lots and lots of crafty jobs. There was never this like one thing. Like when you think Jennifer Perkins, you think whatever. And so I think that's totally fine. I feel like this with this resurgence of like lady bosses and hustling, everyone feels so pressured to find their calling and their passion in life. And then, you know, like for me, sometimes I can overanalyze. Sometimes I can over podcast. I can over woo woo. I can overread the Liz Gilbert books. And I feel like, you know, we all lay there in bed and we think to ourselves like, Am I secretly supposed to be a whale hunter in Alaska? Like, is that my true calling? Is that the thing for me? And I've just never experienced it. And I just never knew, like, what if there is this thing, you know, and we all just like... We've gotten to this place where we all, like, start to worry about it. Like, there should be this, like, magical thing for us. And I don't think there always is just one magical thing. I think it could be lots of little magical things that make up a happy person, a successful career, you know, all of those things. And, you know, the problem is, too, is sometimes when you make a living doing what it is you thought you loved, 
like me and resin jewelry, you start to realize that you no longer enjoy it when you have to do it for a living. And that is totally okay too. I don't think it's giving up to quit something or to walk away from something or, you know, to have a day job and just do something like as a side hustle or a passion project. All of those things are fine. If you are happy and you are content doing those things, then just keep on keeping on. Nobody said that you have to find that one thing because if you're like me, there may not be a one thing. You know, like I said, I took water marbling. I've done punch needle. There's about a million other classes I want to do. I was just talking to someone yesterday about this like weird embroidery that involved plastic canvas and sequins and giant French knots. So, you know, every day is like a different calling for me. And if I sat and wrung my hands about it, then, you know, I would be in a lot of trouble. I think you just need to figure out what makes you happy and do more of that. So with those pearls of wisdom, I will leave you guys. So thank you for listening to me talk about, well, to talk about me, this was the Ask Me Anything episode of Creative Queso. I am your host, Jennifer Perkins, and please do let me know if you enjoyed this episode, if it was helpful, if you want to hear more, if there is a question that you would love to know more about that I didn't answer. It doesn't have to do with me or my life story. It can be about your life story. I would love for it to be about your life story. Please let me use that bachelor's degree in psychology on you. I'm absolutely not qualified, but I like to pretend that I am. So as I said in the beginning, you know, leave me a review, leave a comment, send me a DM, shoot over an email, all of the things, and I'll start gathering up questions for the next episode of Ask Me Anything here on the Creative Queso podcast. Usually, don't forget, I am doing more of an Ask Me Anything with a guest. So be sure to go back and hit the archives where I talk with fun people like Illustrator and Shin, where we go deep woo-woo. My friends from the So Taco podcast, where we talk about podcasting and starting a small business or you know companies like Nicole Snow and Darn Good Yarn where she is trying to save the world one ball of yarn at a time so if I'm not talking about me I'm getting other people to talk about themselves and their creative business and the creativity behind running that business Thank you guys for listening. Again, this is the Creative Queso Podcast. Shout out to my producer, Mariah Gossett, and my husband, Chris Beck, for the music. And I'll see you guys next time.